and in celestial like strains it unceasingly falls over my soul with an infinite calm and you know um when we were there, we weren't able to call the police. <laughs> it was the police that were telling us if we didn't pay them the money, they'd never let us leave. And, and it was a high and a very tense situation, but I just want to bless the Lord. Amen? That there we were, stuck in that situation. And we didn't pay him the 50 grand, but he got us out. Bless his holy name. Brother Reigns, please sing us a song. He asked me before church, and I said, I'm not a soloist. And um, I'm not, so I'm getting ready to show you I'm not a soloist. But I am glad to be in the Lord's house. And I wasn't, I thought I was coming to uh, help Brother Brian and his family get over here safely. And um, we have an earlier service in the day, so it's, I'm able to come. I didn't realize I was going to be blessed the way I was. No reflection on Tabernacle. Um, I, I've been touched profoundly. And um, when he showed that verse about Isaiah, I've come to set the prisoners free, uh, my mind went to this song. Um, it's the only life worth living. He has made my world complete. And um, that's what the prisoners, the students, all the facets of Rock of Ages, that's what they need to be convinced of is that this is the only life worth living. And I said all that to say this, um, it is... This ministry is one of a handful that God used in the most formative years of my life to convince me that this is the only life worth living. Um, I told somebody 30 years ago uh, when the contemporary movement kind of exploded, I said, when you grow up listening to the Burns Trio, you don't have any taste for contemporary music. And uh, obviously the tabernacle's bigger than just the Burns family, but the music, the preaching, the testimony, I've said it before, I've been to funerals here where the family would sit there and grieve, but a hand was in the air saying, God is good. And Brother Terrell, that shapes you when you grow up seeing people who live it day in and day out, trials, catastrophes, it's, it, they're the same. And I'm, I'm forever grateful. You may take all my possessions, all those things that men hold dear, all the precious ties that this old world can hold. But this love I found at Calvary far exceeds my fondest dreams. It's a love that can be bought by this world's gold. And you ask me why I love him, why I choose to walk this way, why I find his service sweeter every day. When there's trouble 
has made my life worth living here below. And you ask me why I love him, why I choose to walk this way, why I find his service sweeter every day. If you have your Bible, open with me to the book of James chapter 2, and while you find your place, I want to ask the church for a, um, I want to go into conference for about 10 seconds and ask for a motion in a second that we take on the, the Williams family as missionaries. Okay, I got them all over the floor. Everybody for? Is anybody against? Raise your hand really high, please. I don't see any hands, so we're going to take these folks on. I sat there in the chair while they were testifying, and, and the Lord told, told me we need to take them on. And I said, well, Lord, do I need to get up right now? And he said, you can wait till you get up to preach. So I just, I just, we want to do it right now. So I couldn't preach um, until we took care of that. So James chapter number one, beginning of verse number two through verse number four, I preached the last six messages on Sundays out of verse number one on being a servant of God. And, and so tonight, I'd like to, for a few moments, um, uh, preach on this thought about triumphing in trials. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts by the Spirit of the Lord tonight and speak to us by your word and, and, and use these truths of the word of God to, to, to mold us and to make us what you would have us to be. For the glory of God, by Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. My brethren, James chapter number one, verse number two through verse number four. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So for a few moments, I'd like to work through these verses and look at some very simple and practical thoughts in the words that are written here. And then I would like to take you to a man written in the word of God and see what happened in his life in this same situation. But it's my brethren. So here we're, we're, the word of God is, is speaking to God's people. Not speaking to lost people, but he's speaking to God's people. God works in our lives through trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And so, so these, these temptations, these trials that we go through, they're, they're never going to be a pleasant thing. They're always going to be something that puts you or I to the test. Whether it's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or, or, or between people or individuals. It, it, it's always going to be something that tries us, that challenges us, that purifies us, that purges us. It's going to be something where God is trying to grow us closer to him and take things out of our life. And so here, it's not natural to count this joy. It's not a natural thing. And so the word of God here 
is, is giving us direction in our thinking. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So counting it all joy, this deals with our perspective. This deals with our outlook. How am I supposed to view this situation and knowing that God wants to use this somehow for his glory in my life? And so we're supposed to count it joy. That gives an idea in my mind of having a smile on your face, not complaining, or not, not murmuring, but being full of joy about it. My brethren, count it all joy. Notice these next words, when you fall into diverse temptations. Now this fall, it's something triggered that. Something cast us into this situation. It, it's not something that willfully happened. It's not something that we went looking for. But it, it's, it's a situation that appeared, sometimes out of absolutely nowhere. And so, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers. This word divers, variety. Um, I, I almost said yorokaji, which means in Korean, a variety. But, but it means a variety of different types of tests or trials that, that you could fall into. And so, my brethren, Tabernacle Baptist Church, visitors from other like-minded churches, James is instructing us by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that when we fall into such situations, we are to count it all joy. Now, I, I'm not going to raise my hand and say that I'm always quickly prone to do such a thing. And you are probably not quickly prone to do such a thing either, but this is the instruction of the Word of God. And so here in this verse... This verse is teaching us to have a controlled thinking in this matter. That, that we, are, we are to, to, we are, my brethren, count it all joy. This is something that we are supposed to do. So we have a, we have a, a realm of control in this situation. We have a realm of control of how we are going to think and, and, and have a perspective on this situation. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So not only are we supposed to have a, a controlled way of thinking as the word of God is telling us, look at it this way, not that way, to count it all joy. It doesn't say to count it misery. It doesn't say to count it a curse, but it says to count it joy. So our thinking, we are supposed to bring our thinking into captivity by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, by the will of God to look in this direction, a controlled way of thinking. But then not only that, but a correct way of thinking. God is telling us how to think for a reason. God, as we read through these verses, we, we are seeing that God has something he wants to accomplish in your life and in my life in this situation. So as we fall into these diverse temptations, in these variety of trials and tribulations and difficulties, as we're cast upon these things, as we fall into these issues, our thinking needs to be controlled. But it also needs to be correct. And, and the Bible defines what that is. We're supposed to count it all joy. So as I read this verse, I see that we're supposed to have an understanding. Well, praise the Lord. In this difficulty, 
in this painful situation, God wants to work in my life. God wants to teach me something. God wants me to know something. God wants me to learn. God wants me to gain experience. Tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, Romans chapter 5 said, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so we, we, when we look into triumphing in a tribulation, the first thing that we need to know is, is that our thinking needs to be right. Our understanding, our thinking needs to be right in these tribulations, trials, temptations. But then notice with me verse number three. I'll read verse two again with verse number three. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So now it is very clear that God has allowed you to fall into this situation that you are in. God has allowed me to fall into this situation that I am in because he desires to try our faith. He desires to try us. He wants to try us to see if we're going to be obedient according to the scriptures. He wants to try us to see if we are going to do his will or our will. He wants to try us to see if we're going to follow him or follow people. He wants to try us to know if we're going to fear God or fear man. You know what the Bible said? The fear of man bringeth what? A snare. We're not supposed to trust in man. We're not supposed to serve man. We're not supposed to follow man. We're supposed to follow God. Amen. Amen. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Our thinking is to be controlled. Our thinking is to be correct. And God tells us accurately and expressly and bluntly how we are to think. We are supposed to have a joyful outlook because God wants to use this to mold us. This is a place in your life where you will have fellowship with God in a way that... that that will grow you closer to him. We'll get into an example in a few minutes. Knowing this, so God wants you to know something. God wants me to know something. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. God's going to try your faith. Because God wants to know, are we going to be men pleasers or God pleasers? Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet serve men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who are we going to live for? God is going to try me. He's going to try you. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And so as we go through these trials, they're not going to be pleasant. The word of the Lord, the Bible said, the word of the Lord is tried. Do you know how many vicious assaults and attacks Satan has launched against the word of God? My friend, let me not deceive you. Sometimes the trial will be fiery. Sometimes the battle will be ferocious. 
Sometimes the devil will roar very loud like a lion. Sometimes, no matter which direction you turn, the devil, the world, the flesh, the enemy of God, the issue, it will be there to greet you. David, if you read through his life, he was anointed king as a young man. But he didn't take the throne that day. But matter of fact, it was years later. And God took him all the way to a place called Ziklag. Which I'm told, and to a place called Ziph. And I'm told in the Hebrew that that word Ziph means to liquefy. So it carries with it the picture of gold being set in a pot over a fire hot enough to melt the gold. And the impurities come out. God took David to Ziph. God anointed him king and took him to a place where he was liquefied. David was so uncomfortable that he said, there is but one step between me and death. Think about those words. God said he will be king. Yet David's situation was so volatile, so difficult, so dangerous, he was a step from death. Let me not deceive you. I don't want to make this road sound like it's flowery and and always convenient. Sometimes, who was it? The old preacher said, sometimes to be right with God is to be wrong with man. How many times we read this Bible where somebody stood with God and the crowd went the other way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And so that's what God is trying to work in my life and yours. The thing that our our natures don't want is exactly what God is trying to work into us through these trials. That's why when you you first get saved and you get on fire for God and you you haven't experienced many things, and and, and these trials and these difficulties and, and, and the fires are raging, And you're being tried. You don't have anything to pull from. But as you go through a fire and you get the victory. And you go through another fire and you get the victory. And you go through another fire and you get the victory. And you go through another fire and you get the victory. victory, What happens? You start to get refined. You start to understand how God works. You start to understand what he's trying to produce in your life and mine. And then you find some Christian who just got saved, got on fire for God, and they don't have any experience. And you know what they do? They come running to you for help because they've not been down that road. But they see that God has refined you, that God has tried you. And as we go through those trials, you know what happens? The worry becomes less. And the worry becomes less and less and less. But our faith, our trust in God, becomes more and more and more. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But notice with me verse number four. Well, let me say this. I have to read my outline. 
God has a plan for you. But God has a process to accomplish that plan in you and me. And God's way is perfect. My way isn't. We always want the easy way. We always want the convenient way. I I, I read this verse tonight, and, and, and I'll read it. It was not in my plans, but in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Sometimes you have to deal with some very difficult things in your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 11. The Bible said, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. My friend, do do you want that in your life? Do we want that at Tabernacle? In our church? In our school? In our ministries? Do we want that in our fellowship? Well, you know where it starts. It's, it's, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant to deal with the issues. It's not pleasant to go through the trials. It's not pleasant to go through the process. It's not pleasant for your faith to be tried. But when we go through that, you know what it does? God works in those situations and it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Verse number four, but we have a responsibility in this process. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Notice the words, but let. That means that we must allow God to do what he does. Some, sometimes, you know, people, rather than carrying the cross to walk with the Lord, people are trying to unload the cross so that they don't have to carry it. Sometimes instead of going through the trial to grow closer to the Lord, people are trying to escape the trial. The word of God said, but let patience have her perfect work. I would ask myself, and I would ask you, In this trial you're going through, what does God want to accomplish in you? What does God want to accomplish in me? I can tell you some things that are very clear. He wants to make us a servant. Verse number one. He wants to make us holy. It's all through the Bible. He wants to make us obedient. He wants to make us sweet. He wants to make us where where, where we glorify him. He wants to make us like him. But let patience have her perfect work. That word let gives with it the meaning of the word yield. No resistance. Not fighting God. We say we love God, but oh man, when we're in the trial and the difficulty and our dross is being burned away and we're being refined, Oh, is it not easy to start to complain? Yes, it is. Is it not easy to start to say, well, what's God doing? Well, God knows what he's doing. And you know what the Bible told us to do? Let patience have 
her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This perfect deals with the meaning of the word maturity. That God, through this process, God wants to make me mature. God wants to make you mature. You know, it's something when we read the Bible and say, well, look what God, look what God did for David. Wow, look what he did for Jeremiah. Look what he did for Ezekiel. But what about when we say, look what God did for Josh. Look what God did for Brother Doug Raines, Brother Mark Brockway, Brother Quentin Brown, Brother Terrell Rose. When it's, when it's your own story, you know where that comes at? Let patience have her perfect work. We're either going to hinder what God is doing or we're going to allow God to do what he is doing. By no means is this a pleasant thing, but it is God's way. We find it all through God's word. Abraham was tried. Isaac, Jacob. We find the children of Israel were tried. David was tried. The prophets were tried. The apostles were tried. Jesus was tried. The prophet Peter said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. He said, Don't think it strange. That's normal in the life of a Christian. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. It's God's word, but we see this is God's way. The word of God is telling us about this. But then it teaches us even more. It's God's will to do things this way according to his word. So when we fall into these diverse temptations, these fiery trials... It's God's will. But then it's God's work. Notice what he said, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That means no lack. No lack. And then I think about this, the wonderful things that God has done through people's lives. I think of Jimmy Rose. I think of David Edens. I think of Bob Garrett. By far, the holiest man I've ever met was Brother Bob Garrett. He would walk in the room and not say a word, and the atmosphere would change. He walked with God. And when he, when he got up to preach, everybody knew God was around. The wonders that God did. You know how he built those people? This same way. They let God work in their heart. They didn't fight him. They didn't buck him. They didn't resist him. They didn't dig their heel in and say, I'm not going to move. They yielded. They let patience have her perfect work. And may I say this, as you turn with me to Psalm 18, I'd like to say, this is God's wisdom. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that there is no wisdom, nor counsel, nor understanding against the Lord. This is what's written in the word of God. So if you'll look with me in Psalm 18, 
We find here David. And if you'll read with me the first three verses, he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. But let me stop right there and share something with you. Those first three verses of Psalm 18 are actually the end of the story. David is reminiscing here. And the story, the trial started in verse number four. Read with me. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. And cried unto my God. He heard my cry out of his temple. And my cry came before him. Even into his ears. Notice verse number seven. Then... The earth shook. Glory to God. David prayed to God and God was on his way to help. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills were moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Go over with me to verse number 16. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. As you read on there, David gets to, to talking about the whole story of how God slowly brought deliverance until he comes to one place where he said, God beat his enemies as small as the dust before the wind. And God can do that for you and your trial. And God can do that for me and my trial. The story started in verse number four. But David let patience have her perfect work. And do you know how his testimony ended? With verses one through three. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from mine enemies. I see a few things there and I'll be done. I see that this produced a very special relationship with David and God. Notice the first phrase, the first phrase, I will love thee. Glory, hallelujah. You go down and read in verse number four and you know what David was saying? I could see, I could feel the sorrows of hell, the snares of death. They were all around me. He's not talking like that at the end of the story. You know what he's saying? I will love thee, O Lord. He found something special because in that trial, in that painful time, in that difficulty, oh, it hurt and it will hurt. 
It will. But in that painful time of trial, God was proving David, proving him. Come to a place, I will love thee. But then we see this, 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 this something special that David had. It goes deeper than that. It was sacred. Notice his next words. Oh, Lord. He's expressing here a deep love, a deep relationship that was taken deeper by this trial between him and God. So we see something special was born out of it. But not only that, something sacred. I will love thee, O Lord. And we find the first thing that David found in his trial is that the Lord was his strength. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Without him, we could do nothing. We need his strength to obey what he said to do in trials. We need his strength to be that servant of God that yields to the word of God, that's obedient to the Holy Ghost, that's willing to follow God no matter what. But then he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He's saying, hey, the Lord, that's where I stand. He's my standing. He's my rock. A firm foundation. Notice he said here, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. And then he said, my fortress. I think of the story of Elisha and his servant. When, when, when Elisha had told what the, what the king of, of Israel or the king of Assyria did in his bedchambers and what he spoke. And the armies of Assyria come up against Elisha. And there he was in the valley in a little tent, him and his servant. And they woke up in the morning and his servant walked out and saw that the mountain was full of the armies of Assyria. And his servant walked back in and said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha said, There's more with us than that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you'd open this young man's eyes. And his eyes were open. He got to look in. And the Bible said that as he looked out there, he saw that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elijah. The late missionary Randy Pike, missionary in Africa, was, was, was somewhat crippled. He was in South Africa and also in Australia. Had people come to his house one night to kill him. Crippled man and his wife. That was all who lived there. And the people who got there to kill him said they fled. Reports were told in town the next day. They got there to kill the preacher, and he had guards dressed in white sitting all over his house. David found that the Lord was his fortress. David found that the Lord was his fortress. You say, well, I don't believe that, Brother Josh. Well, Stenet Blue would say that's why you don't get blessed. You don't believe nothing. But the Bible said in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And then he said, and my deliverer. 
The Bible in the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, some people pronounce the, pronounce the word succor, and some people pronounce it sucker. I don't know which one's right. But the Bible said because he is, was, was, he was, that he is able to succor them that are tempted. He's able to deliver them because he himself also suffered being tempted. He is able also to succor them that are tempted. He's able to deliver just like he delivered David. David found something special, something sacred. He found something strong. He found a firm standing on the rock, his Lord. He found that he was surrounded by God. He found the Lord as his succor, his deliverer. Then he calls here and he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. Every time I read those words, my God, I remember the verse, Luke 23, 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. My friend, without Calvary, you and I would be lost and on our way to hell. We would have no hope. There would be no access for you and I to bow in an altar under conviction and call out on God for forgiveness. It's because of Calvary that the veil of the temple was rent. It's because of Calvary that the blood of the New Testament was shed. It's because of Calvary that you and I can be born again. It's because of Calvary that we can say, he's my God. Then he said here, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. But notice the next word. He said, my strength. He said it twice. And I got to praying about, Lord, why would you say it twice? Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 said, every word of God is pure. God didn't make a mistake. David didn't forget he already named this. You see, the Bible said, let patience have her perfect work. This is something that's going to go on over time. You're going to need strength for today. I'm going to need strength for today. But we're going to need strength tomorrow too. And we're going to need strength next week. And we're going to need strength next year. And David here is saying, I, I found him my strength, but I found him my strength again. Over and over and over. As the book of James said, but he giveth more grace. And then he said, in whom I will trust, he's our surety. He's called in the book of Revelation, the faithful and true witness. Who do you trust? The Bible said we could trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. My buckler. A buckler is another word for a shield. He is, he is our faith. It's all about him. And the Bible tells us that we have an armor called the shield of faith. When the devil fires his darts, we could just raise up Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Jesus can block those arrows. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of the Son of God. He is our shield. And the horn, the horn of my salvation. That horn represents a place of power. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he has salvation's power for you and me. 
He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. What's up with him and he with me? He said, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. The one that's the judge is the same one that's the savior. The one that shuts the gate of hell behind someone is the same one that could have pardoned them from hell in the first place. The horn of my salvation and my high tower. That high tower, it represents a place of safety. And when you look around and and it's like angry sharks are all around you and the devil is all around you and everything is out to destroy, he's our high tower. And that's 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 how David felt. He said the sorrows of hell, the snares of death, they were everywhere. And he found the Lord as his high tower. He said, I will call upon the Lord. There's a supplication. That's, that's prayer. That's who he talks to. He called on God. And as we let patience have her perfect work, we can call on God. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. He's sovereign. He's worthy of all glory. He's in control. He's Lord. He's King. And it said here, who is, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from mine enemies. David found that this Lord is his salvation. Amen. My friend, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You know what God wants you to learn in that trial? What David did. That Jesus can be your all in all. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, search hearts, bring conviction where needed. I pray you deal with individuals according to your will. Lord, meet every need. May the will of the Lord be done in this place tonight. In Jesus' name I pray.
let's close out in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great salvation. Lead God and direct us through these trials. Help us, Lord, to do your good will. May you be king and Lord of every life. And lead God and direct. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.